Good morning. Good to see you. I'm so, so blessed to be here. I was sitting there in my seat and thinking, you know, I don't know if you guys do that, but I, I've got WhatsApp. We use WhatsApp big in Africa. That's our email. That's the closest you'll get us to use a computer. And we use a lot of voice notes on WhatsApp to update each other. But I've learned how to, to listen to some people on double speed now. <laughs> you know, I won't do it in front of them, but I always look around and nobody watching. Then I listen in double speed because I, I, I can do it. And this morning, I feel like I want to speak to you in double speed. Because in Africa, it takes us 25 minutes to welcome people. And then they're not welcomed yet. So I'm going to just try and double up and just kind of unload some of the things that, that's in my heart. And I tell you, my heart is overflowing. First of all, I want to say to you, it's amazing for me to be here. I really, really mean it's amazing. We've, the last six weeks, I've been in Zambia and then Congo and Malawi, and I came home for three days, four days, and my wife is here with me. You know, that's such a blessing. This year, we've been married for 39 years, and we've spent 30 of those years in a mission field. And this morning, I'm asking God for two things. First of all, I always ask him that I will finish my life well. You know, I want to finish well. But the second thing is I say, give me a bigger mountain. I want to climb a bigger mountain. And guys are saying to me, it's time to settle down. I said, what? No, I've seen so much. I've seen so many amazing things. I want to tell you guys this morning, God is busy doing something unbelievable. But that is our God. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm poor, then I'm rich. And in this time where we feel like we've been beaten all over the place, I want to tell you, the owner of the church, Jesus Christ, is alive and well. And he is doing something amazing. And this morning, if I only leave you with one message, I'm leaving you with a message to run this race with him. You are not alone. And a promise that he made, I will be with you until the end of time. It's true. It's true. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you will just guide me. And as I, I share, may Jesus be made known. May your heart, Father, be made known to each one of your sons and daughters. May we hear your heart, because when we know your heart, we take great, great courage. And I pray that you will give us your heart today and that we will have eyes that can see in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, as a church, as a congregation, you are part of hands at work in a place called Oshuk. It's on the border between South Africa and Eswatini. And it's called the Burning Point. It's a tough place. There are many, many children and grandmothers that will flee from Eswatini. And it will come into South Africa, into the poor communities. I mean, it is dirt poor there. And then they would live in outside of the villages, hoping that they can get into school, that they can get food. And many of the children that you guys are supporting are those children. And so the, <laughs> the, the team from Oshuk and from Houtbosch, especially where you guys are partnering on, sends so much love. Our team went there on Friday, two days ago. And Chris and Joe Paulson were there, and many people from 
hands and we were just praying with them and they sent all their love to you guys. And they say what we always say in Africa, we are together. So when we talk to each other, the first thing we say is, we are together. And today, this morning, out of Africa, I'm saying to you, we are together. We're going to come through this and we're going to shine for Jesus. Because this is our time. This is our final hour. I couldn't have asked for a better title that I received from uh, Woodlands speaking about sacrificial love and in imitating Jesus. So I'm just going to take a few minutes to give you a few thoughts about sacrificial love and imitating Jesus. And I think we've got to start. We've got to start this morning. How many guys still preach here with paper? <laughs> Hallelujah. If Charles Persian did it, I do it. That's how it works. <laughs> okay, so, so in John 3.16, I want to quickly take you to John 3.16. I think all of us could quote it when we were two and a half years old, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. Guys, and it's something we're so familiar with, and yet the depths of understanding that is mind-blowing if the Holy Spirit makes it alive in you. Listen to those words. God loved and he gave. Love gives. But he didn't just give a goat. He gave his only son. You know, we thank Jesus a lot for dying for us. We don't even understand really what happened there, but we thank him for doing it. But how often do we say to the Father, thank you for giving your son. I've got a son and there's no way I'm giving him for you guys. It's not going to happen. I'll die, but not my son. And so when we speak about sacrificial love, we've got to go back to base, ground zero, and just say, God the Father is a good Father, and is un we can't comprehend it. I've actually got a picture that I want you to see, and I want you to think about what's going to happen to you when you go home. I want you to look at this picture. Can you remember? Can you? I mean, are you dreaming about this day? No pain, no tears. You know, that's why Africa is so good for us. We see pain. We see tears. And, and we go home and we say, God, there's no hope. And he say, go and read. Write from Isaiah. Go and read. A time is coming where there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more fear, no more anxiety. It's coming. It is coming. That's coming, my friends. We've got hope. We've got something. <laughs> Father loved us and he gave his son. Of course, nobody took Jesus' life. He laid it down himself. He said, I'm laying my own life down. That is outrageous grace. That's grace that we can never get used to. It will every day be new in our hearts, understanding how Jesus laid his life down. I mean, just think about it. When Jesus was in the garden, he prayed, he said, Abba Father. You know what Abba Father is? We were introduced to Abba Father through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to show you who your father is. That's why I'm here. And he said, your father is Abba Father. 
He's loving. He cares. And when he hung on a cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No more Abba Father. Because the Father had to turn his back on his Son for you and me to call him Abba Father. That's, that's sacrificial love. That's crazy. That's love that we received. That's who we are. Rescued out of the holes. Sons and daughters adopted. And you know, he didn't save. Maybe some of you were good people. I've got to tell you the truth. I don't even think my own family would have said I should be saved. I mean, I don't deserve to even be in your company. The fact that I'm standing here is a living declaration of a father who will save the vilest, the worst. And yet I'm standing here and I'm sharing with you, our God is a good father. And he sacrificially loved. And his son sacrificially loved. And then we see in John 14 verse 16 that Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit. And he said, I will give another counselor. We live now in a dispensation of the Holy Spirit. He's God's presence in our midst, right? And God has given the Holy Spirit in this messy world where the world is blaspheming against our Father, against His Son, the Holy Spirit faithfully stay with us. I mean, I would have run away long ago. He doesn't leave us, sacrificially. So I'm showing you just briefly the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But, I mean, it doesn't stop there. It gets way beyond comprehension. Because after that, we read in John 14, verse 20, Jesus said these astonishing words. Have you ever comprehended these words? This is what he said. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. <laughs> we were invited to join the Trinity community. I'm messy. I'm, I won't invite myself into a house. He invited us into his community. He called us in. In fact, you want to really see the heart of the Father and the Son. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, I'm standing at your door. Have you thought about that? The king of kings are standing at your door. I mean, that's so upside down, it's scary. Shouldn't we be begging at his door? He's standing at your door. That's not for unbelievers. Jesus spoke to the church, people that were saved. And he said, I am so jealous for you. I'm so hungry to be with you. I so want to have fellowship with you. Tomorrow morning, I'm waiting. I'm knocking. Maybe you're going to open up for me. Because, man, I want to have fellowship with you. <laughs> now, why am I sharing all of this with you? And what does it mean to us? And that's the question we say. If this is true, and that's a kind of love, and that's the invitation that we were taken from there into the throne room to our fellowship, the curtain was torn, holy of holies, open for you and me. What does that mean to me tomorrow morning? 
when I walk in the streets of Bristol, when I go back to Africa in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and I see unbelievable things, what does it mean to me? Well, Jesus, in John 20, verse 21, Jesus gave us answer. He said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I now send you. We've got the same mandate. Same mandate. Because we're a chip of the old block, right? Like we, <laughs> we are connected. He's in us and we're in him. And, and he's saying, now you, you'll be my feet. You'll be my hands. You'll be my mouth. You'll be my eyes. You, I want you to live it out. I want you to penetrate the darkest places. I want you to do it. I want you to bring the good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to comfort those who mourn. We live in a world, this is right now, this is it. This is it. This is where we were called to be. And the Father, the Father is saying, I'm homesick. I want my sons and daughter home. Who can I send? Who will fetch them? Who will be that Sons and daughters, like Stephen made Jesus jump to his feet, right? We know Jesus sat on the right hand side of God. And yet when Stephen was stoned, the Bible say Jesus stood at the right hand. He, I mean, I can just see the Father saying to Stephen, to, to Jesus, he's just like you. He's just like you. That's our calling. That's what we were called to do. And that's what we do in Hands at Work. And that's what you do here. I've listened to people sharing with me your vision. And you're reaching out and reaching Bristol and going to the uttermost parts of the world. We do it because we are sons and daughters. We've been adopted. We've been sacrificially loved. And that compels us to reach out and to bring hope. I want to tell you, I met Alliance. She's a young lady in the Democratic Republic of the Congo in a city called Goma that um, it's war-torn and broken. And that's a photo of her the very day I met her. In fact, <clears throat> I was playing with our children and I looked up into the bushes and I saw her. And the kids were playing with my phone. And I took my phone and I just went like this. I just took a wild shot. And I caught her perfectly. And that's her face. That's how she, she stood about 30 meters away from our key point. That's like a church. Our key points are like churches. They come and they find life there. The kids you support, that's their life center. That's their hope. That's what happens. She stood about 30 meters away. She had a stick. And look at that eyes. And she stared at us. She watched me playing with the kids. You know, I, I took that photo when I was on the back of the motorbike, dodging and just spraying in tongues that I get back alive. I look and there's a photo. Perfect. And I saw the face. And that whole evening I prayed for her. I went to the care workers the next morning. I said to them, we've got to find this girl. I couldn't believe it. Our care workers knows everybody. They didn't know her. I asked everybody that morning, please, one of you must know her. I mean, here's a photo. She was right here. Nobody knew her. Guys, I, I took our care workers. We started praying. I said, Lord, you showed me that girl for a reason. I'm going to hunt her down. 
I'm going to hunt her down. Show her to me. The care worker said to me, we've got to go and visit somebody. We do holy home visits. We go into people's homes. Because Jesus came to our home. Jesus jumped into my hole, so I'm jumping into other people's holes, right? Monkey see, monkey do, like father, like son, right? I mean, I don't have to be trained to do that. I do it. And so we went on a holy home visit. I walk in the back. I'm still sulking because I'm thinking of this girl. And Eric, our leader from the Congo, amazing man of God, they're walking in front of me, and they go into the hut where they visited. And I stood outside, and I look up right next to the hut, under a tree, there she sat. She sat with a stick, and she watched me like this. I took my glasses off, and I was, I couldn't believe I mean, how's it possible? Out of this massive place, I walked straight to her. You know, if your heart is crying after God's people, he will lead you straight to them. You'll find them. So I found her, and we, we brought her in. I tell you, it was like <laughs> the stuff. But she started coming to our care point, and we started caring for her. It was rough. The other kids were so scared of her. I went, it was in March, I went home, I went back in September. I thought, is he still going to be here? I prayed for her every day. Will she be here? Where is she? I went to the care point. I found her. Let's look at those photos. There she is. <laughs> you know, that's my father. That's his heart. What do you want to do for each one of us? <laughs> He's not like us. When he says, I've come to bring life, you better believe it. And if you don't have life right now, it's available as it was available for that girl. Maybe you've just got to go and stand outside that gate point and say, Jesus, send someone. <clears throat> but when people come, when you come, it brings life. <laughs> I'm not supposed to have favorites, but I tell you, she's one of my greatest favorites now. And when she sees me, she goes like this. She's like, don't become too comfortable. <laughs> but you know, when I struggle to have quiet time, when I struggle to be close to God, <laughs> sorry about that, I take my phone, then I look at those two photos, I say, God, a white boy who should never have had this privilege, this opportunity, look what you've given me. My life is full. It's full. Am I anxious? Many times. Am I scared? Too often. But there's something bigger in my life. I'm in love with that Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I'm going to run by His grace. I'm going to run this race and finish it. And I'm going to find the alliances. But you know, it doesn't stop there. While I'm in Goma, it brings life to me. Carolyn always tells people, that's where George is on his happiest. In that place brings life to me. It brings me close to Jesus and it pulls me far away from the world. It shapes me to be more like Jesus.
but I just came back from there. And we need many, many more people who want to draw a line in the sand, who want to say, I'm not just going to survive. I'm going to hunt them down because somebody hunted me down. So we need many more candles to be lit. I want you to meet Baraka. Baraka, I met Baraka a few weeks ago. I thought Baraka was a girl. I saw him sitting under a tree while all the kids were playing. He sat on his own there. And his mother walked past and she cursed him. And he literally went like this. <laughs> and I'm saying, that's not okay for me. That is an insult to me and my father. And I don't accept that. We hunted him down. I found his mother, his sister Fatima, broken. We bought him new clothes. We invited him to the care point. We're taking his mother into relationship groups. She's been abused. She's been harmed. She hurt them because she's been so hurt. We're going to win that kid over. I'm going to bring you another photo if you ever allow me to come back. <laughs> I'm going to share you a photo of that boy. But apart from Baraka, there are many others. Many other children, and they're waiting for us. Grandmothers. I want you to look at their photo. I met all these kids now while I was there. This is our watchword for the year. I'm finishing. This is our watchword for the year. Colossians 4 verse 17. I wish I can spend time to tell you. Tell Agrippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I studied that verse. You know, Agrippus, nobody even knew who he was. Paul spoke about all these important people, Luke and Demas, and I mean all these big shakers, and what do they call them? In Africa, we call them the guys with the long shoes. Anyway, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that about Africa. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. But somehow Paul, right at the end of his message, he stopped and he remembered Agrippus. At most, we think he may have been a son of a local pastor. And Paul wrote that the whole world could read. Tell Agrippus, see that you complete the work you received in the Lord. He was saying to all of us, this is not just for the big movers and shakers. Each one of us, each one of us can reach those children, can reach our neighbors, can reach people. We want to do it. So let me close with a quote from your beloved Queen Elizabeth II that you will put to rest tomorrow. You know, in Africa, on BBC radio, every year on Christmas, we will listen to her message. She inspired millions of us through that messages. And she said this in 2012. We remember that God sent his only son 
to serve, not to be served. He restored love and service to the center of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. May that life, that love, that servanthood, that humility, that divine, uncultural way to bring life and hope in a sacrificial way, fall over you like a wet blanket. May you grow in your reputation that that is what you do as a church. And as you do that, that you will trust that God will bring light and life in your midst as you do it for others. Amen.